What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 34 of Point Blank. Chantel said Grant Hill last week. This week, I'm thinking Ricky Williams. I'm thinking Ooh, Ricky uh... Williams episode. Hope everybody has been enjoying the show so far. Hope the weekend, hope the year to date has been treating you well. If you could do us a huge favor, head to Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Chartable.com, or even Spotify and leave a rating and review of the show. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know if you are enjoying the show. Until we have an action-packed lineup of things that we are going to discuss uh, this episode. I'm looking forward to it because there's a couple of, there's your opinion that I'm looking forward to hearing about certain fights because I don't know if you saw certain things like I saw, but I'm not too happy about a couple things that we're going to discuss on the show. But we first have to go to the NBA, Chantel. Look, we talked about regular season uh, people, and then we talked about playoff people, right? One name that comes to mind is uh, Rajon, Rajon Rondo. They call him, you know, they have normal Rajon Rondo season, and they have playoff Rondo. Another person that comes to mind in that position is Giannis. If Giannis wins another championship, Chantel, should we start considering him and mentioning his name with the all-time winners, the greatest of all time? What are your thoughts on this one? If he wins another championship, what do you think happens? Okay, so here's the thing about Giannis. We talked about uh, playoff Rondo. You just mentioned Giannis, but he's had he's a great regular season guy as well. And then he's been turning it up like crazy in the postseason. We saw what he did last year when he brought home Milwaukee a championship. He didn't leave in the offseason. He didn't go build a super team. He didn't have another all-star. Like, I don't really care what. Um, you know, what people say about Chris Middleton, he's, he, he like, you know what I mean? He's an all-star, but he's not a superstar. Right. So I'm not putting him on a superstar level and even all-star sometimes I'm just like, ah, I don't know someone else could have made it, but um, he's definitely someone that isn't noticed as a superstar. So Giannis didn't do that. And he brought home a city like Milwaukee, a championship that hadn't seen a championship. And I don't know, it was like over 50 years or something like that. So that itself, I think, is bigger than when people talk about LeBron coming back down from 3-1 and had the Cavs winning. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, to me, I know they beat the Golden State Warriors, but then you also have to remember that like, he had Kyrie, he had Kevin Love. Um, and also like the Warriors were dealing with some injuries at the time. This is not about LeBron, but what I'm trying to say is that what Giannis did bringing home Milwaukee, a championship to me is bigger or just as big as what LeBron did in Cleveland. So if he's able to do it again, if he's able to two peat, like that's crazy. And not to mention he's, um, already an NBA champion, as we mentioned, um, you know, finals MVP, two-time MVP for the regular season, six-time NBA all-star was the NBA all-star MVP in 2021. He won defensive player of the year in 2020, the same year he won MVP and most improved player in 2017. I think if he does win another championship, I think we would have to start mentioning him with the greats of all time, to be quite honest with you, because what Giannis is doing, he's doing it on both ends of the floor. Sometimes we're only seeing guys do it on one end of the floor offensively, but Giannis is doing it on both ends, being the leader, being that guy. And when all fails and things go wrong, the heat is on him and he handles it very, very well. So I think there's different things that make you one of the greats. And I think Giannis is pretty much close to being there, man. If not, he's definitely already on the top 75 team of all time. Right. So he already made that list, which he very much deserves in my opinion, but 
yeah, I think if Giannis wins another championship, I think we have to start mentioning him with the GOATs. What about you, Akeem? I don't even like talking about that right now. You know what I'm saying? You know me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a focus on day-to-day, week-to-week, year-to-year. And I think he's on the trajectory to get there, and he will get there, right? But for now, if we're talking about the numbers, look, he's already there, right? And he's still young. He's got so much more of his game to improve on what he's, what, 27, 28 years old. Crazy. Maybe, yeah, it's somewhere there. And he's just starting to learn how to shoot the basketball a little bit better. And he still has so much more room to go from there. So to me, I think personally, just give him more time, man. I don't even think we should be having this conversation until he's like 33, 34, right? Because he is going to be at the top of the numbers. But for me, I'm just like, man, let's just see how his game develops. Giannis has yet to, Giannis has yet to be hit with what most athletes get hit with. And that's an injury that takes them out for quite some time, right? Hopefully it doesn't happen, but it is a prerequisite when you play a sport that at some point the injury is going to come in some capacity. Hopefully it doesn't, but it's a possibility of what could happen. Then what happens next? So I think he is in the upward trajectory of he will go down and will be one of the best. He's already the best two-way player in the NBA right now, right? I don't think there's anybody who can affect both floors like he can. Jimmy Butler, but yes. Who? Jimmy Butler. I don't think there's anybody in the Hater. NBA right now that can <laughs> do what Giannis can be doing on both. Hater. He does it on both ends of the floor. But go ahead. He keeps saying what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think he is on the upper trajectory. Um, Giannis, man, this he just seems like he really, really dials in on his craft and he will continue to grow, continue to develop. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think Giannis is should be mentioned with one of the greatest of all times in that category right now. If he wins another championship, do they have enough? Chris Middleton's out. Do they have enough to win another championship? Let us know in the YouTube comments below. Okay, Chantel. Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor. We saw the fight. We saw the outcome. We heard the noise. We heard everything that was going with this, Chantel. What were your thoughts on this fight? Do you, do you, Chantel, Except who won. And I don't mean except in the one. Let me add a little bit more context to it, Chantel. For me, the 97-93 card, I didn't see it being that wide. I want to know if you did. Break this fight down for me, Chantel. Well, let's just start off with the spectacle of it, because I think we have to cover it in a way that is put on quite the pedestal, because what we saw happen on the weekend, like we've never seen that spectacle before in women's boxing ever. Uh, Madison Square Garden, if you looked online on Twitter and stuff, some people were saying it's the loudest it's ever been. And these are people that are at fights consistently at Madison Square Garden. So the performance that the ladies put on was spectacular. And I can't wait to see more women in boxing get those platforms like that. So I think we should definitely say that first before we get into the controversy of this fight not to mention I loved Amanda Serrano's entrance as well she went with the Alicia Keys Fabio and then like the jaw rule fat Joe New York it was dope like it was really really cool and then of course like Katie Taylor took like 15 minutes to get into the ring but that's just a whole other topic but she enjoyed every moment um do I think it okay first off it was definitely not that wide and Amanda Serrano got robbed in my opinion now, some people could say that it could have gone either way. And if you look at the beginning of like the first three rounds, you could have gave some of those to Katie Taylor. Like I could kind of, I could kind of see that. But to me, Amanda Serrano won this fight fair and square. You look at that fifth round and how she dominated. Katie Taylor did pick it up and she did land and she started winning some later rounds. Like 
I think some rounds were so close that maybe, maybe just maybe they gave those to Katie Taylor and that's why she won. But in my eyes, I had, I had Amanda Serrano winning six to four. Like I had this very close six rounds to four. That's how I had it. I had Amanda Serrano winning. So for me, I was disappointed, but at the same time, the fact that Amanda Serrano, she did kind of let up in the, like the second half of the fight, right? Like there were some fights, there were some parts of those rounds where you're like, man, Amanda Serrano has got to go because Katie Taylor's catching up and she's landing big on her. But for me, I had Amanda Serrano winning six rounds. I had Katie Taylor winning four rounds on my unofficial scorecard keeper. And um, I, I thought Amanda Serrano was robbed. I thought she did enough. But as you know, in boxing, you can never leave it up to the judges to make that decision. And they gave it to Katie. Katie Taylor. I didn't agree with the scorecards, but that's how high I had it. What about you, Akeem? What were your thoughts on this bout? Yeah, I agree with your sentiments, man. The 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 the, the matters this like this place, man. It was. I remember. I think it was in the first round where like they couldn't even hear the ref. Like when they were like, "Yo, the round is done." So the place was rocking. The place was jumping, and it goes to show that women can sell out fights, right? So uh, round of applause to both of those women for what they were able to do. Um, the 97-93 really bothered me, right? Because I've been watching fights for, you know, for quite some time. And I like to think that, you know, my eyes are not deceiving me. And I was trying to figure out, right? Like, I can understand at the beginning where, where you may say, okay, uh, Katie was countering. And I remember tweeting this. I said, it's going to be interesting to see how they judge this fight, right? Are they judging it on who has the more dominant shots? right? Who is landing the heavier shots? Who's the aggressor? Who is walking down the person? Then you got to go with Amanda Serrano because that's what she did throughout the whole fight, I found. If you're judging by counter, counter shots and movements and slick jabs, then it's Katie Taylor. But there was another element, Chantel, that I think that we forget and we often don't really put into play because we'd like to think that boxing happens inside the ring. We forgot about the crowd, Chantel. There was, a, there was a time in the ninth round where they were saying, Katie, Katie, clear as day. And it made me think, wow, all these Irish people traveled or what is the situation? Like, were they just, how'd y'all get to New York like this, right? It was right in Amanda Serrano's backyard, but it felt like it was a Katie Taylor environment. Katie showed hard. She showed grit. She showed toughness that I really didn't think that she had, right? She had the heart of a champion. She recovered from the fifth round beating yeah. that Amanda Serrano put on her. And I saw some of those fight cows. They had a 10-9. And I had that 10-8 because there was nothing that Katie Taylor did that round. She literally took a beating. But like you said, I did agree towards the seventh, towards the sixth to kind of the ninth, Amanda looked a little bit tired to me. She kind of backed off and Katie clawed her way back in. But even with that, I still edged it out to Amanda Serrano for the win. So I think it comes down to how are you scoring this fight? What are you looking? What are you looking at? And are you taking into the play of the crowd? And I think that is all part of it. But I actually had Amanda Serrano winning this fight. Will it? Will we get to see it again? I don't know. Sometimes they say a rematch in the height of emotion, and then you go back and you talk the business, and you see is it really worth it? Does Katie Taylor want to do it again? I also think if it was a three-minute round, I think Katie Taylor would have been out of there. So incredible fight. Um, you know, it, it's, it's uh, <laughs> Shakur Stevenson, which we're going to talk about next. They fought later, but 
this was a more exciting fight than that Shakur Valdez fight. Point blank would love to know what were your thoughts on this fight? Who did you have winning? Maybe, maybe Chantel and I are crazy and we're just off. Definitely and- not. It was all over social media too. Um, people agreed with us, but I'm not mad at Katie winning either. Like she put on a good performance and it could have gone either way. So it's one of those things where it's like, man, it could have depending on how you scored it, you could have gave a round because it was so close that way. But I think Amanda did enough. So I was surprised when uh, they weren't raising her arm at the, at the end uh, when they finished those scorecards. That was surprising for sure. So you were one for one in agreement, Chantel. Um, and I think we'll be two for two here. Oscar Valdez and Shakur Stevenson. What were your thoughts on this fight, Chantel? Just pure domination by Shakur Stevenson. I think that's what we kind of expected when we did the predictions and we talked about how Shakur doesn't get touched a lot. Although I do believe Oscar Valdez has touched him the most at this point in the guys that he has fought. So shout out to Oscar Valdez. He just couldn't really close the gap. His third round I thought was really, really solid. And then he had one solid round uh, later on in those championship rounds as well. But Oscar Valdez couldn't close the gap at all. He couldn't really get anything going against Shakur and Shakur was easily landing on him and making him miss. And at some points Valdez was throwing and just hitting nothing. And that's how good Shakur Stevenson is. And Honestly, at some points of the fight, I was like, man, he's moving like Mayweather defensively. Like you see it every time a little bit, but this time, like just watching the fight and I was like, man, there's the way he's kind of moving his head movement was a little bit uh, reminiscent of Mayweather for sure. And we've said that before on this podcast, but Shakur just dominated and did what he had to do. He moved around the ring really well. He used his jab really well. He was able to throw like those three punch combos that he does very, very well. I thought Valdez definitely had success in that third round, getting to the body, closing the gap a little bit, but you know, that was a round where Shakur near the end started to turn it up a little bit. And you're like, oh, Oscar cannot let him do that because then he might actually edge out the round. And I mean, Oscar Valdez did everything that he could do in that fight. I just think Shakur Stevenson is that good. Like, I'm sitting down here today and I'm just thinking, who is going to beat Shakur Stevenson? Because stylistically, as guys move up in the weight class, like, I don't know if we're ever going to get to see a Devin Haney and Shakur Stevenson. And I would pick Shakur Stevenson because I think what we've seen from his resume, like he's got guys on his resume at this point where you're just like, those are some serious guys that he's got on there. And I think Shakur Stevenson has to definitely be mentioned with some of the top guys right now in boxing. He's putting on a great show. That was a huge fight against with him and Oscar Valdez and he dominated. So I'm sitting down here today and I'm just like, Man, Shakur Stevenson is that good. He doesn't get touched a lot. He boxes beautifully. He put on a dominant performance against a guy that is no slouch. Mm -hmm. Like Oscar Valdez is the real deal. He has power. And that's why throughout that fight, you just couldn't take him lightly. But Shakur was like, the one thing that I noticed about Shakur in this fight, he was not tired at all. Like, I think he came, ran a marathon, came to the boxing game, sparred like three guys and then got in the ring and still had this energy. Like his stamina is ridiculous. And he didn't seem gassed at all. Like he, you know, has that baby face was smiling and all in all, I think it was a great performance for Shakur to have a performance like that against Oscar Valdez. As for Oscar Valdez, like, I mean, what more could he have done? I think Shakur is just that good. So that's my opinion. I don't have much else to say about it, except for the fact that Shakur Stevenson is potentially, and we already know is going to be the face of boxing. And at this point, the way that he's boxing, I don't know who's going to beat him. What about you, Akeem? What are your thoughts? Well, I want to say first, I agree with what you said. There's nobody in that division that is going to beat Shakur. 
um, when he moves up, there are some names that might that might give him a little bit of problems, right? Because I think he still has to, he's so good that we forget that he's still developing as a fighter, right? And there are some things that, that I saw that I think uh, could get exposed a little bit, but he would make some adjustments. Yeah. Immediately when the fight started, Chantel, my first thought was, man, what is Shakur's walking around weight, right? Because the only time I saw him nervous was when he was on the scale, right? And he was like 130. And the look after he was got off the scale, he was like, okay, cool. But then he regenerated. I'm like, man, he looks significantly bigger than Oscar Valdez. And I was like, wait a minute, how much did this man, how much does he weigh right now? You know, I said it, I said it last week. I said, you know what? On paper, this has the makings of a great fight. You have two undefeated champions. But then I also said, don't be surprised if it does become a one-sided fight. And it was for Shakur, right? I don't know if Valdez stuck to his game plan. I think oftentimes, right, as Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. I think in this situation, everybody has a plan until you realize you can't even hit him. <laughs> right because he's controlling the distance and he's controlling the rhythm of the output of what a fighter does and i think when you're fighting a person like Shakira stevenson you have to kind of sell out a little bit right like you have to say i have to be i have to pressure uh, aggressively but be careful but if i have to throw four and i might get countered one or two times but that's kind of what you have to do you got to take a risk and i i could see man i could see oscar getting discouraged as the fight went on, right? And even after the post fight, he was like, he was, he was just a better man. When someone says that, it's one of those situations where you're just like, you know, you get that realization where you say, I gave my absolute best, but my best wasn't good enough. And I have respect for Oscar Valdez. But in this fight, there was just a different level that he didn't have that Shakur had. And it, and I hope that when Oscar goes back with his camp um, that he takes time and he gets some encouragement. Cause this is a fight that can really demoralize a person, right? When you say I've, I've done everything that I could do and I still wasn't, I still couldn't do anything. Right. And that's the testament of uh, Shakur Stevenson and how well that he takes his craft. And it kind of reminds me, Chantel, this wasn't one of the things that we were going to talk about, but you know, I know Eddie Reynoso, if I remember correctly, like last year he was fighter, he was coach of the year. Every person that Eddie Reynoso fought when they fought, when that coached, when his fighters fought an elite athlete, an elite fighter, they lose except Canelo, right? So Derek James, should he have gotten it? And maybe that's a conversation for another, another. Well, Andy Ruiz won last year. Like he had a good performance. Save that for another time. Chantel. Hey, he looks great, Andy Ruiz. Just saying, he's 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 slated to get a good fight. Don't be such a hater. We know who uh, Akeem hates on now. Just saying. No, uh, I, no. I, have, <laughs> I, have, I have nothing with Andy Ruiz. You know, but man, talk less, do more. Talk less, do more, man. Um, <laughs> let's go over Chantel to um, who who some may consider the cash cow. Right, that's Canelo Alvarez versus Dimitri Bivol. What are your thoughts on this fight, Chantel? How do you have it going? Well, this is for the WBA light heavyweight title. Dimitri Bivol, 31 years old, 19 wins. He's got 11 wins by knockout. He is undefeated. He is no slouch. A lot of people haven't heard about him, but this guy is the real deal. He's won his last six fights by unanimous decision. If you're a betting person, you definitely just take a look at those odds and Wait, just kind of how he's finished um, on this one. I'll definitely bet on this one. 
I'll definitely be betting on this one, but this is not a betting show. Uh, Bivol, he's got the size and reach advantage against Canelo in this one. He's highly skilled. He's got a really nice right hook. He throws nice combos. He's a boxer puncher. He's got really quick hands. He can be very accurate. He's a good, he's got good power and he's got a very good jab. Sometimes I feel like, you know, he kind of leaves his sides open when he tries to shell up defensively. And that's where I think Canelo is going to do a lot of damage because as you know, Canelo is one of the best, if not, he is the best body puncher in all of boxing, in my opinion. Like he's elite, he's top of the top. And we know that Canelo is, you know, a technical boxer as well. He's got a high IQ. He's got hand speed. He's got power. He throws nasty combos, especially to the body where I just mentioned when Bivol shells up, he kind of leaves his sides open. And, you know, we're going to see like those famous body punches from Canelo to Bivol in this one. Um, Canelo is also a great counter puncher as is Bivol, which is something to also remember. Canelo's got really elite head movement as well. He dominates the fight on the inside. So that's kind of where I kind of question where this fight is going to be. Like, is this fight going to be on the inside or is it going to be on the outside? Because I think Canelo is going to want it to be on the inside. And if it is on the inside or mid range, I think Canelo is going to dominate this fight. But the thing about Bivol is he controls the distance really well. So it's going to be interesting to see who's stalking who in the ring and who's going to be controlling the ring and the distance in this fight. Mm. It's tough. You know, this is not going to be an easy fight for Canelo because he's also... It's, it's at 175, right? He's the smaller man. And we've seen Canelo do crazy things, but this is a tough fight. If you actually go and look at Bivol's fights, like this kid is absolutely unbelievable. He's 31 years old, so he's definitely not a kid, but he, this is going to be a great fight between him and Canelo. And at one point I was like, man, will Bivol get the de decision? Because he's good at getting those points. I think that experience is going to come in handy. We've seen Canelo Alvarez get better after every fight that he's ever had. After the Mayweather fight, you saw him get better defensively. Like he has picked up skills after every fight and taken away from every fight. I think experience is going to come into handy here. And I think Canelo wins by unanimous decision. But I do think this one goes all the way to the cards. And I don't think it's going to be an easy fight for Canelo at all. What about you, Akeem? Who do you have winning and how? Another great breakdown, Chantel. That was, that was, man. You got skills. You got skills. You got skills. I just, I, so, I just watch it. Watch it as a fan. But yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. And I'm going to kind of go back to what I said last week. You know, uh, again, on paper, it, it, it's it, it. the numbers line up, the facts line up, the showcasing line up, right? I mean, you look at Bivol and you're just like, you know what? There are some people who you look at and you're like, okay, this was, he's a, he's a, he's a 140 pounder who moved up to 156. 154, right? But you look at Bivol and you're just like, okay, he's in, yeah, this guy's an actual 175 pounder, right? In his last fight against uh, Umar, Umar Salomov, so I think I said that wrong, forgive me if I didn't, a good Russian fighter, right? Came in with only two losses and he used his jab extremely well um, against Bivol. And like you said, Bivol left himself open quite a bit as he was trying to cover. And I don't know if it's, because because they both did it. So maybe in a way, maybe it's a European thing, right? Where they fight high guard and they always come in there, but they leave their sides and their body open, right? And as you mentioned, against someone who makes it a priority to go to the body, if he doesn't cover up those liver shots, you're going to get chopped down, right? And I think in that fight, in uh, Bivol's last fight, 
if Salomov put some more pressure on him because he he landed some good shots against Bivol, but he backed off the pressure, right? And it was so much head shots and head hunting that I'm like, man, just go to the body. You'd be able to break him down a little bit more. But Bivol has good hand speed. As you said, he's quick. He does control the distance very well. But to me, he's a little bit robotic. You know, I think he plays it a little safe. Um, I, I don't think he does the best job of mixing up his attack and his punches and his combination, but he's tough. He's strong. He's challenged. He's, he's talented, but he's fighting against someone who has had 60 fights underneath his belt. That's almost, and I think Bivol is going into his 20th fight. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, Canelo's seen everything in the ring. Um, as you said, Canelo has improved every single fight he's improved against floyd mayweather when he fought him his loss he improved against triple g both fights many people consider that a loss as well too but he improved right but it's not just that and you and i talked about this the other day when you were uh here and went to that coffee shop shout out to uh, uh alex at i forgot that coffee shop name cafe uh, i forget what it's called but it was Ambrosio, good ambrosia something like that but shout out to alex yeah. if, she, if she took care of us um and i said man Canelo's got a different type of swagger now that his English is kind of talking a little bit. He's talking a little bit reckless. He's a little bit more confident, right? And that's what he has on him. This is a guy who's who's undisputed at 168, and I know he has to really be on his A game, but let's not be surprised if he becomes undisputed at 175. I don't know. You might be saying, Akeem, whoa, like, what are you saying? Are you saying this is going to be an easy fight? That's, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying this is going to be body shot central. <laughs> Canelo's going to go heavy to the body and I feel once he establishes range um, it is going to force Bivol into a spot that he's never been before right I think a lot of times when people fight Canelo they forget especially in the 168 category and in this category you forget that you are the bigger man but Canelo makes you feel like he is the bigger man he's walking you down he's putting the pressure on and I think Bivol is going to forget that he's the bigger man in this fight and I think Canelo is going to be the aggressor and it's going to force him to say, what do I do now? Because if you don't make Canelo pay countering his shots and making sure that you know where he is, then there's a good chance that he is going to make you pay and he's not going to stop and he's not going to stop coming and moving forward. So um, I have Canelo winning by unanimous decision. I don't think it is going to be a knockout. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. If it would happen, maybe in that 11th or 12th round, I think Bivol is too smart um, to just stay there and slug with them. That's not what you want to do. I know, as you said, you didn't want it. You don't think it's going to be an inside fight. I think Canelo is going to make it an inside fight. And it'll be- No, I said it, it, it'll, it'll be, I think he's going to fight on the inside. Yeah, so I Canelo, yeah. you think he's going to fight yeah. on the inside? He's going to want it on the inside is what yeah, I said. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I agree. You know, I, I, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how Canelo looks at 175. I don't know what his weight program is. I don't know what protein shakes that man is drinking. But that man fills out. <laughs> that man fills out. So Point Blank would love to know what are your thoughts on this one? Who do you have winning? Uh, do you see it going differently than how Chantel and I broke this one down? Okay, Chantel. The Octagon. The Octagon. UFC 274, Justin Gaethje and Charles Oliveira. We've covered both of these guys on the fight on Point Blank and previous ones. 
What are your thoughts on this fight, Chantel? How, how, how do you see it going? This is a huge fight. And to be honest, like when I saw this fight was happening, I was like, I actually don't know who I'm going to pick for this one. Uh, Charles, I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. Charles is the favorite for this one. And as we know, he has one of the best ground games in all of UFC, his last fight against Dustin Poirier. He won that one by submission. And I mentioned that because Charles's jiu-jitsu is the real deal. And I think he's going to cause some problems for Justin Gaethje. Um, you know, he's also got a very, very nice check left hook. Do not sleep on Charles at all. And he has power in it. As for Justin Gaethje, I think he's going to want this one on like standing up. I think he's going to want to have this fight to be more of a striking type of battle because that's what he's really good at, right? Uh, Justin Gaethje, he's become, if you're, if you're really thinking about it, he is the better striker compared to Charles, right? But Charles at the same time has become a better striker as well. So that's something he has in his arsenal. Um, we talked about Justin Gaethje. He has a great chin and we saw that against Michael Chandler because he took some crazy hits from Michael Chandler and he was able to last and win that one by unanimous decision. His low leg kicks are nasty. So I think Charles is going to want to get this one onto the ground because that's what he's really good at, right? But at the same time, Justin Gaethje is going to want this one to be like a striking battle where he's on his feet, um, getting leg kicks, you know, doing a little bit of boxing and whatnot. But this one is really hard for me to pick. And we just talked about Charles being the favorite. Um, I actually... I, I was thinking about going with the underdog and going with Justin Gaethje for this one, but I just think, I think Charles is going to be way too much for him. Like I wouldn't be surprised though, if Justin Gaethje knocks him down in the fight. Like that's the thing. Like we've seen Oliveira be able to recover, right? We've seen him be able to recover. So I think that I'm going to go with Charles Oliveira winning this fight by submission. I think he gets Justin Gaethje onto the ground. And once he gets him onto the ground, I think Justin Gaethje is going to be in major trouble. And I think that's where Charles Oliveira is going to want to have the fight on the ground because that's what he does. That's his specialty. And he will definitely get Justin Gaethje onto the ground. But don't be surprised because we have seen Charles Oliveira get knocked out onto the ground before. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And if Justin Gaethje gets on him early, like if they're striking early on and Justin Gaethje is able to get him onto the ground, like, there might be some trouble there, but this one was really hard for me to pick, but I think Charles gets it done by submission in like the third or fourth round. What about mm. you, Akeem? Mm, third round. Okay, Chantel, talk heavy, talk heavy. Look, Justin Gaethje has evolved as a fighter uh, with each fight. You know, in his early years, he used to be a little reckless, right? He used to just come out swinging and he used to be sheer heart, sheer will, uh, controlled chaos, as he calls it. But in his last fight against Khabib, you know, he started off decently, right? He kept his distance, kept moving, but he just looked a little bit hesitant and tentative to what he was, what the plan was, right? When you're fighting Khabib, you know what the situation is going to be, right? He's going to go toast for a little bit, but the moment that he can get you down, that's what he's going to do. He's going to take it. And I think if I'm Charles Oliveira, I'm watching that tape. Like if I'm on his team, I'm watching that tape, right? Like I'm seeing what is happening. I'm seeing, okay, this is what happens when he shoots here, right? This is what happens when he does this movement, right? Because I went back and I looked back at Justin Gaethje's wrestling record, right? I forgot what school he went to, but NCAA wrestling, you know, he was six for six, right? And you know, I, you know, I, I, I've never been a wrestler. Have you been a wrestler maybe in high school? 
Um, no, just uh, on the video games. <laughs> and when maybe when I was like six or seven years old, just, you know, doing some old moves from the Attitude Era on my sisters, but that's it. So Chantel and I are not wrestlers, right? So I don't know what the level of the challenge was, but Division One wrestling is a high magnitude wrestling. It's Division One, And he was six and six there. Right. And I think that's why he puts a lot of his emphasis on causing the chaos, controlling the chaos and trying to stay on his feet. I agree with what you said. If this fight is an upright fight, I'd like to think that it favors Justin Gaethje. Right. If this fight, if they're able to stay on their toes for the majority of it, I think it favors Justin Gaethje. When he fought Michael Chandler, that was probably a fight of the year candidate right there. Right. And they I think Chandler tried to take him down, if I remember correctly. But by then they were both tired. Right. And he was already taking a beating. And I think he saved it too late and it just didn't work out for him. But it was an upright fight. And I, you would have to believe and think that Justin Gaethje is the more effective and the more powerful striker. The last time, Chantel, we broke down Charles Oliveira fight, I went against him. Right. Not that I didn't believe that he wasn't good or anything like that, but. Let me use this illustration, Chantel. When I was running track, right, there was a rule that my teammates, teammates and I had when I was in junior college, right? Like say a person runs nine, nine, right? And you do it one time. But over the next 10 to 15 races, you, you know, you run like 10-1. You're a 10-1 guy, right? Every day of the week, even though your personal best is nine, nine, you're not really a nine, nine guy because you did it once. Charles Oliveira won the title against Michael Channer, but it was a vacant title. Just because you're a champion the one time, how are you going to be when you defend it? And he did that against Dustin Poirier, someone who I don't remember. You, I think you, you're smarter than me, so you might have picked uh, Charles Oliveira. I don't remember. It was such a long time ago. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> I think I did pick him. I think, yeah, I think you took Dustin Poirier and I yes. took Charles Oliveira and Charles Oliveira beat him with well, submission. Was it rear, rear, rear naked chokehold, right? That's that's how he beat him. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think I don't remember. I'll have to go back to that video. But looking back, right, it was everybody expected Dustin Poirier to win, right? People were saying Dustin Poirier is a champ and this is his time. It's his timing. But he got picked apart in the third round, as you said. Um, and, you know, Charles in that fight, he did what most people, he didn't do what most people thought that he would do. I, they used to say, man, this man quits on fights and this on that. But he found a way not only to rise to the occasion, but to show that, look, I'm not that same fighter anymore. So in this fight, I'm expecting him to come out as the aggressor. And I think for the first minute, two minutes, and two minutes and a half, it is going to be an upright fight. And I think he is going to try to prove that, look, we can do, we can do this, whatever you want to do. If you want to fight upright, we can do that too. But I think he's going to get dropped, as you said, right? And I think after he gets dropped, he's going to say, you know what? Let me slow it down. Let me mix this up a little bit. And he's going to go and revert back to the, the jiu-jitsu black belt and the man who was choked out the most people in the UFC, if I remember correctly. And he's going to go for that. And I think at some point, Justin Gaethje is going to do what he did against Khabib and he's going to turn his back. And Charles Oliveira is going to find a way to maneuver around it and end up with some type of choke. I mean, what he did in his last fight, Dustin Poirier, I don't even know how he got on the man's back. I was like, I was like, bro, how'd you, how'd you even do that, right? And I think that is the similar situation to what's going to happen. I bet against him last time. I'm not doing that again. 
Point blank would love to know what are your thoughts on this fight? Who do you have winning? How do you see it going? Chantel said the third round. Third or fourth. Third or fourth. I'm going to say the fourth, Chantel. I'm going to say the fourth. But I have Charles Oliveira winning this one. He's uh, he's proven too much. But it's also that situation where, like, man, it, it, Justin Gaethje may not get another shot after this. This is his second one. When yeah. do fighters really realistically ever get a third one? You know what I'm saying? So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Let us know in the YouTube comments below. Let us know who you have winning or if you want to break it down. Like we have seen some of our subscribers really breaking it down for us, right? Like we appreciate that. We appreciate your perspective and we appreciate how you break things down. Um, Chantel, before we get out of here, you know, uh, <laughs> I really just put this in based on the conversation that we we're having the other day, right? Yeah. Um, pressure, right? I think every person feels pressure at some moments, you know, um, maybe it's a little bit of pressure, pressure at work, pressure to put things together, whatever the case may be, man, life sometimes is just heavy. And sometimes it's just heavy for no reason. You're like, what's going on? Yeah. All right. When it comes to dealing with pressure, Chantel, how do you go about it? Right. And, and, and if you could please tell us the, uh, the interesting story, the hilarious story <laughs> about when he used to come in at 12, <laughs> And then and then de-stress yourself. Because <laughs> oh, I okay. something new about you. That okay. Well, I don't even think that story has anything to do with pressure. That's like just decompressing from being so busy and like stressed. Um, okay, so I will tell that story. So Akeem thinks this is really, really funny, but I don't think it's funny at all. So I used to work um at TSN 1040 in Vancouver, which is a sports radio station, and I would do the six to midnight shift. Um, so I'd anchor and then there'd be like a show from 10 to 12 that I do a little bit of co-hosting on. And after I was done, I was like exhausted because it was like, you have to for six hours, give energy into a mic where people cannot see you because it's radio. So it's like different, like the energy levels have to be totally different than what you give on television on television. They can see if you're like not giving energy. So that's like even more energy, right? You can fake it a little bit on radio. Um, so I would just come home. Sometimes I need to decompress. And if I'm not like watching, catching up on TV or just chilling out, cause after 12 o'clock, like I'm, I would be wired until like, you know, three, four in the morning. Like I would not be able to sleep. And then maybe I get like a couple of hours and like start my day again. Um, so what I would do, I'd come home and um, I would play video games. And at the time, like the first Spider-Man game I thought was really good for PS4. Um, and I would save New York. <laughs> right. That's what I was doing between the hours of midnight till four. By the way, the second game that came out with PS5 was like a lot shorter. The Miles Morales story. And it was really, really good. So Akeem didn't know that I was a gamer. Um, that 2K and Madden as well. So those are kind of the faves right there. Um, but enough about me. How do I deal with pressure? Why do you think that story is so funny that I, I like to play video games? Well, it's 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 not so much about the video games, but the more of like, you know, no matter like you made time for yourself, right? To kind of debrief yeah. yourself, to just not have a moment to not think and to just let your mind be free. Right. And I think I think I think that is a debrief, right? I think that helps with combating stress and and uh, pressure and anxiety and all not that. Not when you're saving New York, Akeem. There's a that, lot of that stress. May okay. Be a little bit stressful. Especially if you're trying to save a city. Exactly. Or if you're playing GTA and you're just like being a huge criminal the whole entire time, <laughs> you don't want to get busted. You know what I'm saying? Um, but um, yeah, like just going back to pressure, I actually like I have pressure before I do something. 
So I don't have pressure during the moment. I think before I get a little bit kind of like not anxious as in like, I don't want to do it, but I want to get it over with. Like, I just want it to start. Um, that's the only thing it's like, there's always the buildup of, Hey, I have to get this done or I have to do that. And I'm just speaking in terms of work, but when there is pressure on me, um, I think I'm able to handle it in the moment. If that makes any sense leading up to it, it's like, I don't really want to think about it. Cause it's just going to stress me out. And at the same time, if you are always prepared, if you are always prepared, then when the time comes, you'll be fine. So that's what I try to remember every time I'm going into something, I should always prepare myself for what's to come. So if anything is thrown at me, I'll be able to handle it. And um, when the time, when it's time, like this lights, camera action, I, you know, it's all on from there. Right. And I'm able to handle it. And then I did like have a debrief where I'm just like, Hey, I'm going to chill out. I'm going to play video games. You know what I mean? I'm going to go 72 and own NBA 2k or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, something like that. So I'll do something like that after, uh, a stressful week to take time for myself. So if you do have a lot of pressure on you, just remember that if you prepare yourself for moments where pressure is going to be very high and intense, you'll be just fine. Also take some time for yourself after, because after stressful weeks, after stressful days, you need, even if it's 30 minutes, if you just take time for yourself to kind of give you that time to just be in your little bubble, that helps you a lot as well. And even before, like if you want to take a breather for 10 minutes and just breathe before you have to do something that's really intense and stressful, do that for yourself, because that helps as well. What about you, Akeem? How do you handle pressure? <laughs> Let's just not. <laughs> we'll have to wait till this call's over. I... <laughs> look, the people, the people need to know that. Look, it's it's just some. I'm not picking up telemarketing. Are we gonna leave this on here? Yes. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not picking up telemarketing. Okay, I think they stopped. Oh no, they're still going. Okay, now they're done. Look, with dealing with dealing with pressure for me, um, you know, I've always just tried to take a moment to take a breath. Right. Because what pressure is in most situations that we can't control, man, they're going to try to take you out of your character. Right. And I do my best to try to always remember that. Right. In pressure situations, whether, you know, when I was on the track, you know, I, I just stopped thinking when it was time to run. Right. I didn't try to do anything different. I didn't try to change who I was. I just try to do the same thing that I did in practice and try to mirror that in training. Right. Same thing as I would be doing when I would be speaking. Right. I had prepared and given millions of speeches inside my head. Right? So now when I go and speech, speak in any different room, it's like, man, I already done this a bunch of different times. Right. So for me, with dealing with pressure, if you can get out of your own head and take a moment to remember that you are probably more prepared for whatever it is that you're facing than you think. Right. Usually you can calm yourself down. And you can do one thing that will help you get out of the pressure. Stop thinking about the pressure and something that will get you to be productive in what you're doing, right? Pressure, pressure for me, man, as the saying goes, pressure, I should only remember the saying, pressure makes diamonds, pressure, pressure, bus, pipe. pressure, bus, bus pipes. And it also makes diamonds as well. I always say, you know, when it comes to an olive, I used to wonder how does, how, like, how does olive oil, like, how was that made? Right. And there's the process to it. Right. You have to you have to take the olives and you have to literally like squish them to the point where the oil does come out from it. Right. But when you look at it like that way in pressure situations, you will be pressed on all sides. Right. 
But I also know as well, too, when you are pressed on all sides, at some point, like the puffer fish, you have to puff back out. You know what I'm saying? So I think in a pressure situation, you have to find out what works for you. And for me, I take a breath, I take a moment, and I say, okay, am I prepared for this? Chances are that I am. And if you don't think you are, take a history check on all the tests that you have faced. And if you're here today, chances are you passed all of them. Right. So that's what I would do with pressure. Uh, It's a daily practice uh, because we all fall short of the moment and the moment can be a lot for us, depending on the mood that we are in. So that's uh, that's what I got for pressure. Uh, That was a great uh, story, Chantel, um, about you saving. Thank you for putting me on blast. (laughs) If anybody wants to uh, 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 hire Chantel to uh, do a little streaming, I'm sure she could find some time right to maybe to maybe yes just, it's been a while since i got in my video game bag um i oh, gotta get back into it you're not nice I, anymore you wouldn't say no i am no i am i, I probably could be yeah what's the um, most points you've scored by one player in nba oh, okay so like i would obviously like create a player and make him look really hot right so <laughs> like how i would want my boyfriend to look no, that's the player no, that i would create and this guy would drop like 65 but he'd have like a triple double he was crazy he's a point guard and he had flight and he had a crossover like Allen iverson but he would like drive into the lane on a fast break like lebron was crazy stuff man my player was sick and i always pick him to go to ucla <laughs> because i would want to live in california why am i not surprised by <laughs> school so, so you have to listen to the full episode to get all of these goods. You know what I mean? Because like we're not we're not going to cut this segment. So. <laughs> so with that, with that being said, I am Akeem Haynes. I'm Chantel Chaz. And this is Point Blank. Episode 34. And we out. We'll see you next week. <laughs>